When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Sale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all well this morning with Hale Varsity Radio. Guys, what a week it's been for Nebraska as they have gone uh, pretty heavy into the portal. We'll dive into that, some of the weekend visits, and, of course, uh, an outlook towards some basketball with Nebraska as they figure out what the rest of the season looks like. Numbers to get in can dial us up at 466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, as always, uh, make things happen. Uh, with Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, can always be a part of the show with ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook handle, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, and always follow along the show, Hale Varsity Radio at H Varsity Radio. We got a burst of orange. Love the gear, Cranach. How we doing? It's, a, it's actually red. It's red. Can you hear me, by the way? No, I get you. Yeah, I get you loud and clear. Yeah. I look like, uh, again, we're going with the uh, holding up a 7-Eleven theme. But, but it's a little chilly in the house. Yeah, you, you, you have that going on. No, this is actually red. But it's I think orange. it's just how, I think it's how camera, it's not. It's, it's a Hale Varsity, it's a Hale Varsity branded thing. They, they don't do orange, you know? No, we don't. It's not donkey orange. No. Yeah. Like yeah. I, did you try to gaslight Mark into saying that's like orange? He's like, he's like, no, it's orange. Looks like it's red. He's like, no, it's orange. I mean, we, and if, and if that's the case, are we just going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Chris' text last night or this morning, as it were? I don't know. So it, was it late. started with it was, it, it was late. It was late, and Chris was having fun, and it started with the with the two word phrase that we all understand. Body, way, W A Y. Okay, right off yeah. the bat, and then right off the bat, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. You I'm were not, not sure a... he knows what he's saying. So how the hell are we supposed to know at that point? So I think that explains it. I think that explains well, the, I like the, the a little the, bit. The text finishes saying, with hey, the... red, orange. No, it's not. It's red. Red. 
Wow. Let's, let's just restart. Let's. Uh, I, I have. I have. Go grab some coffee. Fine, no, it, it's brewing right now. It's all good. <laughs> we're, we're we're fine. We're ready to go. Great act. Yeah, any more? Uh, any more? Are. Any more Georgia draft picks you want to go after? Listen, let's just take their B team. I mean, it's it kind of seems like what's going on. I don't mind it so much, but you do run the risk, right? You do run the risk of getting enamored by, well, if they're good enough to play for Georgia, then, hey, they can come play for us. Well, they weren't really playing for Georgia. Right. Let's, let's be honest. I don't think these are saviors that are coming in. And we're talking to – and how many is it that are officially committed? I get confused. Is it three two. now? Two. There's two and a third that is likely. Mm-hmm. So you have Eric Gilbert. You have Eric Gilbert, the tight end, and he's uber talented, but he had – issues that were keeping them off the field that were not physical. Right. And and then you have the what is you the have MJ name, the Sherman, the outside backer. MJ Sherman. And he had he had a damaged knee going into Georgia. Is that right? And he hasn't he hasn't played a ton outside of special teams. Yeah, he, so he that's, uh, that's has been held it. off the field due to uh injury. So it, it's kind of the two stories. Eric Gilbert didn't play much at Georgia not due to injury. And MJ Sherman didn't play. All. I mean, he he did. I mean, he played as a reserve a lot this season, but uh, was was limited based on injury during his time at Georgia. Yeah, that's that's. Well, that's well I just look at it like this. I mean, look at like Stephon Wynn, who transferred in from Alabama. You know, Alabama's the Death Star. Like you know, you, you take those highly trained, highly conditioned athletes, um, and he got on the field and he was a contributor. But but you wouldn't. I mean, how name the super impactful Stephon Wynn play? And I'm not. Call, I'm not trying to call him out there. He, I think he was again a serviceable, solid. He was, he was a body. He was a body. You were hoping to. He's a body. Have Good. make big time plays. You're hoping that that Bama showed up on Saturday for Nebraska. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Just because, but it, it's almost unfair to him because it's just like, oh, he's transferring from Bama. He should be able to just lift up all offensive linemen with one hand and throw them into the stands. <laughs> like that's what Alabama players do. And he didn't do that. And that's okay. It's not his fault. Again, good player. Good, solid player. Good locker room guy from all accounts. So there's there's bonuses to that, to, to tapping into players that are transferring in from high-profile programs because generally they know how to work, right? They, they, they come from a winning culture, so, you know, maybe they have higher expectations and all that, but not necessarily an impact guy, right? And I, I don't know if Nebraska is getting that yet. Gilbert, skills-wise, though, I mean, that's an NFL dude. Like mm-hmm. That's a first-round dude. That's, yeah, right. Now, that one in particular is intriguing, but the fact that he was kept off the field and, and didn't play a ton, I mean, obviously he's behind two great tight ends at Georgia, but started his career at LSU, did really well there, 300-plus receiving yards, handful of touchdowns. Uh, right out of high school, playing as a freshman at LSU. Not a bad deal, right? Transfers to Georgia, doesn't see a ton of playing time. And, yeah, there's something going on with – I don't know if it's an attitude issue. I don't know if it's off-the-field problem. I, I don't know. Um, but it, that was keeping him off the field because the Georgia coaches talked about trying to help him as a person. <laughs> right? It, it, it's not dissimilar from what we've heard about, like, Omar Manning. Right. And, and look at that comp, by the way. Like, Manning's uber talented. I mean, let's not – come on now. That dude was built like crazy, could run, 
he's a good player. But it just wasn't all coming together on the middle side of things, right? So you hope it works out with Gilbert, but I don't know. I don't know if we want to count our chickens there. Well, it's just good it's, take. It, it's the story of the transfer portal, Mark, in that for every Trey Palmer, you do have a Stefan Wynn. And I'm not, again, I, I want to piggyback off what you say and say I'm not trying to, to push down Stefan Wynn here and, and drag his name through the mud. It's not that at all. It's just whenever you come from a, a storied program that's competing for national championships like an Alabama or like a Georgia, you expect something Let's from Let's go Tyreek Johnson just to do Stefan Wynn a little better because sure. he did play a lot. Sure. Sure, you could do Tyreek Johnson too. It's it's whenever you get one of these guys from a big name program like that, you expect that this yeah. guy's going to have some something different about him. Like, oh, he was at Ohio State. Oh, he was at Bama. You expect something different out of him. And for every Trey Palmer, I mean, Trey Palmer was at a school that was competing for national championships in LSU, and I know they were down whenever he transferred. But that that's just the story of the transfer portal. It's that yard sale topic Schmidt and I hit on yesterday, where for every guy that does pop in the transfer portal, you have to you have to to deal with the guys that don't. And I think if Nebraska can have a 66% hit rate, something like that. Two out of every three guys that they bring in from the transfer portal, if they can get that kind of hit rate next season, you're in for good, good things. And it's, the question is, is how well did this staff do in the transfer portal? Because if you're going one out of every three or one out of every four for your transfer portal hits, you're going to have some problems next year because you do have holes in this roster you need to fill and that they need to be filled yeah. by transfers for next season. Just that instant influx of talent. If you want to be a bowl team, if you want to be that team that's competing for a Big Ten West crown next season, which that's a long ways off, but you have holes you need to fill, and it comes down to that hit rate. Well, what's your percentage in 2023? Did you guys watch the Polynesian Bowl last night? Of course. Saw the highlights. Of course. Brady. I love that. Elijah's like, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't well, I? Would I Brady, Brady Altman's did a, a nice job of uh, posting the uh, the Malachi Coleman uh, victories, right? And yeah. uh, good good for Malachi because I know it wasn't a great All-American Bowl for him as far as – The previous you know, did, bowl game, yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever the All-Star game was. But, no, I mean, he had a couple of touchdowns. He looked like a difference maker. It was weird. He did. Last Saturday, we're, uh, we're out of the movie – with some friends, our, our dear friend, Gary Novotny, Gary Michaels Clothiers, and he's been awesome to us over the years. And we, we did a tailgate for him last couple seasons. So he's like, Hey, well, I'm getting a bunch of folks together. Let's go to a movie. So I saw that auto flick, right? A man named Otto. Mm. He rented cool. out a movie theater. We're there hanging out, took the wife. It was fun to see some people. And then, Hey, let's go uh, across the street and and grab a cocktail. I'm like, done. Let's do it. And we get to uh, the the location. And you had me at cocktail. Sorry, you walked me. We, we we walked in, turned the corner, and and bang. There's there's rule with his staff, and then there's Malachi and his folks, and he's he is spending one on one time with Malachi Coleman huh. and his folks, and this is five hours before they probably get on a bird to head to Hawaii for this week. Wow. So that is the the dedication of Nebraska's head football coach, a kid that was pretty uh, – <laughs> thank you, Michael. Uh, Friday night was fine. Um, it, it just kind of goes to show that he's going to identify talent and going to be there in their hip pocket to be a part of the success. And it's – uh, something that that you hope happens, but I mean it, it was front and center, and it was just a normal evening where 
there's his staff, there's him, there's people, they had visitors, of course, too. And it was, it was pretty telling just, and, and, you know, everyone in Nebraska is walking up to the guy and he's friendly and great and treating people, bartenders to servers to whoever, like they're, they're, they're good folks. He has zero, Hey, get out of my face about him, you know? And you saw the performance last night with Malachi Coleman. He did a wonderful job of showcasing and that's, that's intriguing. That's man. You want to see that that's, that's junior year Lincoln East with him catching touchdown passes and and doing his thing. Now uh, he had uh, Noah throwing to him, which was incredible. He had a, a, a really good quarterback this year too, but, didn't quite have the senior year he wanted because of injury. Yeah. Listen, the wide receiver room is uh, it, like mathematically, you would have to say it is skewing towards probable that Nebraska is going to have really good production from their wide receivers this year. But I mean, it's it is probable now. Think of the additions. So, in terms of returnees, I think you can count on Marcus Washington. Sure. Not not necessarily, I'm, and I don't think any of these guys are Jerry Rice, right? But it just you can count on him. It's a good receiver. Lante Brown, I still think is just underutilized. I mm-hmm. I really don't understand why he doesn't get the ball more because it seems like every time he does, good things happen. Um, so you got those two as sort of your returnees, stalwarts, dependable, can count on them, um, and they can give you something. And now you're adding to that Xavier Betts. Malachi Coleman, those are two big-time talents. Those are top 100 talents in the country. You're bringing in Josh Fleeks from Baylor, who's one of those small scat dudes that is just quick as hell, hasn't really come together in terms of production. I think injuries have kind of hurt him, but he's a sub-10-500 guy also. And and brings an important leadership aspect to that room of of a guy who's been there and done that under Matt Rule, knows what it it takes to to have success in a a Matt Rule program. So I think it's very big in terms of the leadership he brings to that room. And then you bring in a Billy Kemp from Virginia, four-year starter, punt returner, you know, 1,700-some receiving yards over four years. Similar to Wandale as a receiver, I think, is a pretty good comparison. He's Yep, good comp. He's he's uber quick. He's really tough. Doesn't necessarily have breakaway speed, but can still get some things done. So you got those those four that you're at. Oh, and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, who did look like Jerry Rice in Dublin. You know, <laughs> at least in the first drive. outside of the fumbles. That was the free uh, beer, but yes. Well, <laughs> but I'm just saying he looked pretty good. Of course, he fumbled a couple times and then. You know, everything yeah, just kind of wore out after that. But just think about that. You're adding those five, let alone Janirin Bonner, who redshirted. We don't know what he's going to be like, and he's a really good body type. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, there, it, it, I, it's hard for me to imagine that those five additions plus the two returnees, out of those seven, that they're all going to bust, right? Like, there's no way. Well, it, <laughs> you know, you get three or four of those to hit, you're in good shape. Well, Mark, and, and you, you brought this up by asking, did you watch the Polynesian Bowl? So I'll turn around. Did, did you watch the Polynesian Bowl last night? 
I watched me some Polynesian Bowl. It, it, I it wasn't a great night for TV last night. I can't lie. It wasn't a great night for TV last night. But Malachi Coleman did have an, an impressive performance. When you look at the, the four catches, you go, okay. But every single catch was for a first down or for a touchdown. Uh, showed great Yes. Showed great athleticism. Was double covered most of the game. Like, just go watch the second touchdown that he puts up in the game. The first touchdown was was pretty good. He goes up in, in traffic and, and makes a catch. But that second touchdown, it comes after... A, a punt out of the own end zone from the other team. So the, the Malachi's team's got a short field. I can't remember that. Was it East and West? Was that the names of the, the teams? No, it was we're like going to go with that. Malachi or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm not going to attempt to to, to yeah. go for that. Anyway, Malachi's team gets the ball on the other side of the field. and First play of the drive, they get sacked. So it's second and 22. And every defense knows, well, this offense is going to try to get it to Malachi Coleman here. You're going to throw the ball in second and 22 and look at this 6-5 monster we have on the outside. Let's double cover this guy. So they clearly are showing that. And Malachi just does a great job eating up the space on the corner with his first couple of steps. Like, takes three or four powerful strides to start, eats up the ground completely, and then just runs past the cornerback to the end zone and goes up and wins a jump ball in the end zone to, to get a touchdown on second and 22. Like, just go watch that play. And the, the physical talent on display from Malachi from that one play was just so evident where I watched that play and went, wow, okay, this guy. I mean, the the, the level of competition the Polynesian Bowl is different than, like, the Under Armour All-America game. Like, let's throw that out there. But the amount of just physical sheer raw talent he showed in that one specific play just like it opened up my eyes where I went wow that dude looks like college ready right now and I I don't want to throw that on him because there is a lot of development that happens your first season at college but just the physical tools he put on display there we go he's six foot five and he's just going and outrunning these guys like it's nothing the 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 physical sheer talent that he shows is is really impressive and it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can put those things together and and how quickly he dedicates himself to a college football program because he's got the tools you hit on it elijah is as far as the the maturity aspect we need to get into because quite honestly it's a bigger picture with these transfers it's not just malachi coleman it's not just xavier betts it's also Eric Gilbert. It's also MJ Sherman. Uh, it's Chief Borders. It's it's Corey Collier. I mean, those, those and Elijah Judy. You have a potential avalanche of NFL talent that that's waiting to be tapped into. If you're Nebraska next year and beyond to supplement your roster, and you have gone after. NFL body types. You've gone after four to five star borderline kids. You've gone after kids that Georgia and Florida are are winning in recruiting battles against other SEC teams and other New Year's Day to national championship contributors. Okay. That's what you've been able to at least lure here. The, the, The key question is, are you able to be different for them and are they able to be different from a contribution standpoint? And Malachi's the the uh, 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 same case with as bets with you see the talent and you say, man, you start drooling if you're a Nebraska fan with what they do on the field. Can they buy in and be coachable? And can the message from the coach be a clear yeah, I, I got this guy's back. I want to go play for him. We're we're all in the honeymoon phase right now, not only with the coaching staff and the head guy, 
but also some of the acquisitions. It's got a, you know, rubber's got to meet road here. Not only, I mean, for, for Nebraska to be something better than maybe average next year. And that's the question. I mean, what, what does all of this mean? Do you see more of Malachi? Do you see part of Malachi Coleman as a freshman next year? Do you see Xavier Betts really turn it on? Is he used uh, with the full playbook? You, you've seen snippets of he's had maybe 40 touches in his career in two years, and there's four touchdowns and almost a thousand, you know, half, half, a, half of a thousand yards in total offense. Malachi Coleman, too. I mean, to your point, is is God gifted and a matchup nightmare. Eric Gilbert, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a number, former number one player in the country, and good luck guarding him, right? And, man, you just wonder what could be if that hit rate is is above average. Even if it's at average, that's still a good thing for Nebraska, but it's still – are we going to get a, a different result with a similar experiment and, and that's going after some, some portal names. Well, I mean, as the, I think as I said to kind of lead off the show, is it's that, that, that 66%, if you get six or seven of these ten guys so far that are in the boat to be, to be contributors next season, you have done yourself very, very well in the transfer portal. I think the question is, is how much do, do these guys have a chip on their shoulder coming to Nebraska? Do you have a chip on your shoulder wanting to be great? Because that's a big difference I saw with Malachi last night. He was a guy who played – that football game last night with a chip on his shoulder. Like you, you looked at how emotional he was on the sideline following his second touchdown, being able to go out there in on national television, you know, and play well. He was disappointed by his own performance in the Under Armour All America game. So he came out and played with a chip on his shoulder last night and he looked like the best player on the field. It was as simple as that. He he looked motivated and he looked like he wanted to be great last night. Can he carry that through his freshman season at Nebraska? That that chip on your shoulder, desire to be great, desire to, to, to show it all on the field. Can he show that? Can some of these transfers show that? You know what? The last stop didn't work out, but I'm going to come into Nebraska with a chip on my shoulder and work and prove why I'm, I'm a scholarship guy, prove why I was a former five-star player. If, if Nebraska can get that attitude within the football team of chip on the shoulder, I think next season could be, you know, we're, we're, we're talking bowl game, a lot bowl, of bowl trip. Well, Nebraska's competitive on Saturdays. We're actually having fun in the, the lead-up of, of talking about this Husker football team before Saturday as opposed to, like, you know, that Michigan game where it felt like lambs to a slaughter. Like, if this Husker football team <laughs> as a whole can go chip on the shoulder, I think it means very, very good things. And, and we just saw a guy last night in Malachi Coleman who played with a chip on his shoulder and, and the, the results it led to on the football field. Uh, you know, and I'm, it's, it's difficult to imagine right now, and please don't let this just be part of the – Nebraska hype train that we are all on all the time. <laughs> we just all are, right? If you just live here, you're just on it. Uh, I, but I really don't see this one win, two win, kind of year one rebuild that Rule has experienced at Temple, that he's experienced at Baylor, simply because I think you're looking at a squad that we we know all about the one score losses. You saw how Nebraska beat Iowa when they were shorthanded. I, I just don't think that Nebraska is that much, that far behind just from a pure sort of competitive standpoint. I think they were missing some key things. I think they are missing some key leadership. I think their strength and conditioning is a little, eh, I don't know, like something was going on there. I think you're going to see a different style. I think you're going to see a leaner body type, more athletic body type. And I think no matter what you put out there at the receiver position, you are going to stress teams vertically. 
right? You, I mean, you just are like because you 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 got a lot of legit like all receivers are fast. So so the 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 difference here is just a couple tenths of a second. But you saw what Trey Palmer did to attract defenders and to attract double teams, and so you know people bracketed him, tried to take him away, and you know he's because he stressed defenses because of his one to two tenths of a second difference in speed. You're you're now adding like four guys that have that same speed, like four guys, right? So you put those out there. That's tough, man. That's tough defensively to deal with, which conceivably makes it a little easier to run because the defense is having to back up a little bit. They're having to respect the speed that you're putting on the field. Of course, this all hinges on can you protect Casey yep, Thompson and or Jeff Sims I was just for more there. than 2.7 seconds, right? <laughs> like, Can you do that? Can you, can you protect can them? You, can, can you yeah. develop a, a rushing yeah. attack to get you some RPO looks to your tight ends? Like having a rushing attack really opens up the tight ends and vice versa. Having a, a passing attack with the tight ends does open up some of your rushing attack. But I think, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say, well, th- this, this talent on offense is a waste if the offensive line isn't great because the offensive line just has to be passable. But that's even a big ass based on what we've seen the past couple of years for this offensive line to be passable. Can they make enough strides with only pretty much one new face thus far that we've seen added from the transfer portal, can they just get to a point where they're average in the Big Ten as an offensive line? If they can do that, I think there's enough talent on the offense that you can do something next year. It's Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. And uh, can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. We're getting some comments in the stream. We posted John's comments a little bit ago here about uh, John being a Hawkeye fan, but just kind of wowed by the recruiting of Nebraska. Uh, So far, so good, not only out of the high school ranks or JUCO level, but also the portal. And uh, NIL has been an interesting topic this week. And uh, you look at what went down at at Florida with uh, their supposed stud quarterback, and we're talking – $13 $13 million that somehow didn't get all checked and balanced. So you've got another kid in the portal likely to go to the, to, to Arizona state or Washington. Uh, Nebraska has been pretty fiscally responsible with how they've gone about things. And, and you, you don't hear too much murmuring of broken promises in Lincoln for kids. Right. And it's just a, it's a different world. I mean, are are you able to go get kids that, man, can be difference makers on the field for you, but stay hungry, despite some of this up upfront money option and ability? Um, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the spring game. I'm excited for the roster. We'll talk with Gary Sharp in an hour. We'll spend time with Brandon Vogel here in about uh, thirty minutes. A rewind on the way. We'll get Charlie McBride's take on MJ Sherman. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. (laughs) 
Now back with Hale Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We welcome in Mr. Blankshirt himself, a Monday with Charlie. Charlie McBride with us. Coach, how are we doing today? I don't know. Do we kick off this weekend or what? <laughs> we, we aren't kicking <laughs> off, but uh, Nebraska's had a bit of a whirlwind uh, on the recruiting trail. They, they got a kid out of Georgia. They lost a kid that said he was coming to Nebraska from Stanford. And uh, Betts, the wide receiver out of Omaha, is back on the team. So two and one, I guess, is how I'd, I'd put the, uh, the tally down this weekend. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, the kid from Omaha will do more for our football team than the kid from Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I look. You know, the thing about taking a one-year guy is that they're always stepping in front of somebody who could, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to have if you have them and sure. all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of discouraging to the ones that have been working hard and and are really good players. Mm-hmm. and uh, But, again, they add to the depth, so you don't know, and maybe you're better off the way it was. Well, and, and that's where I kind of want to go. You, you've had a bit of a, a makeover with Nebraska on the defensive line right now. The, the, the kid we're talking about, M.J. Sherman, isn't a defensive lineman, but he's an outside linebacker. He's a pass rush guy that – you know, was good enough to to be at Georgia and and did his work on special teams. Couldn't really uh, see the field all that often. Uh, Chief Borders is a kid they got uh, out of Florida. He's also an outside backer. Elijah Judy is from Texas A and M. So there's three SEC kids that have multiple years to play to come in. Of course, you're trying to make up for the loss of Nelson, Mathis, and Tanner, but you still have Nash, you still have um, uh, uh, Robinson, and, uh, and you have the, the Wallen kid out of Juco as well, so Nebraska making it a priority on both lines of scrimmage, Coach. Right, well, they're, they're going to be fine. I mean, if I was coaching, I'd be happy. You know, I mean, yeah. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in a full pout. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I I think you got some bodies there that can that you can work with and um I'm sure that's kind of the way they feel. The other thing is if you put, you got to remember if you play that the 3-5 or 3 whatever they call it 3-4-2 or 5 mm-hmm. whatever it is um you're going to end up with somebody some of those backers may switch around because they're better blitzers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you don't know, you know, when you take the kid from Georgia, you know, if uh, I know they don't take people that can't run. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and so, you know, and he may not be the greatest player in the world, but he is a player. Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, and um, so, you know, and he, he's a year older and he knows what he wants to do and he's, sees some light at the end of the tunnel and so you know he may be a plus a real plus as far as you know being a guy that they can plug in should be noted that uh that sherman did in fact run a four five three 40 yard dash his senior year of high school so he can run charlie right there well if in the 40 you know you you know it's 
It's it's a it's a funny thing because uh, you know I've always looked not at defensive linemen. Now he's he's a backer. He might you know he may if he runs that fast he may be a nickel. But you know uh, the, the speed part of it is is with the linemen a lot of times is you get a big body and you say well he runs a five two. Well he may run a, a you know a one point eight ten or mm. something or one six and. And be the fastest ten-yard guy, and that—that's the guy you want because he's got explosiveness. He can get to the passer and a lot of things. And the same thing goes. That's why I said everybody goes the forty-yard dash time. I want to know what they run the ten in and then twenty in because that's where the guys that are great pass rushers can really smoke. Mm. You know, and they all talk about people. You hear people talking about the first step. Well, that's. <laughs> That's a great example of a guy that has a first step, a guy that has a good 10 time. And when you have it on electric, you know, when you're what I call it electric, it may be who knows what it is now with all different kinds of stuff. But it's it's uh, important, I think, for a lot of your guys to get that time. And, and the 40 is okay. That's fine. How many times is a defensive lineman going to run 40 yards? No, he, he, he didn't raise his hand to do it real often, I don't think. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, you're looking at it, and 20 is fast, is important, too. All of those things, you know, you can you look at and you can, you know, you can say, well, the kid runs a 20, like, better than anybody, but he doesn't run a 40 that good. Well, he might be a good enough linebacker to find out how you get from here to there quick, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it, there's a lot of different different things, and I've always said if you really want to find out how fast a guy can run, you put a football uniform on him and time him. Yeah, that makes sense. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you, you, you mentioned first step, right? First step for a pass rusher. Who are mm-hmm. some of, the, who are some of the, the players you coached that had that great first step that you remember? Well, and I remember, you know, Wiscrum was a guy that didn't run, a, wasn't a super 40 guy, but his, I'll bet you his 10 was was fast, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't remember what it was. But, his, you know, those are, the, those are the guys that are, you know, you find out, well, this kid doesn't run a 40 as good, and, and, and that doesn't count, you know, when it comes down to, to getting to the passer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was one of them. I think, you know, another guy that didn't, you know, you wouldn't think was uh, way back when was George Andrews. Okay. I mean, he, he could get he could get places fast. In fact, he ended up playing for the Rams, and and again, he played. He was very very intelligent, and he learned both. I think a couple of linebacker positions as a rookie, and uh, so he was really valuable to them. Uh, you know, when he started out, and and it. So there's so many different things that you don't see in the newspaper about kids. Now, uh, Jason Jason Peter was another guy that could get, you know, had a, he could have played. Well, he did play defensive end in the NFL, and that that's kind of where I thought he would end up going, and he did. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have guys like that, and and. Uh, when I go back and look at my nose tackles, you know, everybody says, well, get some big bloto in there and let him take a couple of blocks. Well, we played a defense that 
required a, a little qu- quicker nose to, uh, nose guard, mm-hmm. and so Kerry Winemaster he could he could get it. You know, I mean, if you look at it, he looks like a dump truck, but I mean, he could he could move his feet now, and he had natural instincts and stuff like that. He had things that were God given to him, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so, you know, there's guys like that that I, you know, I can remember Odious Lee was another guy behind what played when Kerry did, mm-hmm. was another guy that really, you know, really played well. And I think his son played down at Kansas this year, defensive end. So, you know, there's, there's, there were a lot of guys that could do it. I mean, you know, it could get off the ball. Rod Horn looked like another truck, and he could get off the ball good. Bill Barnett, a guy that uh, those young guys that I had, I knew more about them because there was less of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't we didn't have the depth we had later on. Coach, and, and, yeah. No, I was going to say when we we talk defense and getting after the quarterback, that's so important. I wanted to, to get your thought on some of the NFL this weekend, and and you saw some just great ball games, but man, they were tough ball games for some defensive people with big leads that weren't able to be held. What do you make uh, what do you make of that that Chargers game where you're up 27 nothing and you lose uh, on a last second field goal? I'd like to know how many young guys were on that team because you know, they went in at halftime saying, "Hey, we 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 got this, you know, deal taken care of. Let's just go out, you know." That's was their mindset again and I mm-hmm. keep talking about you know, guys have to be prepared for every second. And, and you know, and and I always laugh when I go back to baseball and when Yogi Berra said the game isn't over till the fat lady sings, mm-hmm. and, and it isn't. And, and when I see guys with 10 seconds to 5 seconds left, you know, thinking it's over and shaking hands and up, and how many games have you seen this year where guys are all hugging each other and doing this and all of a sudden they get beat? Mm-hmm. I've seen two of those babies, and and you know those are the things that you got to be ready to play all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of the time. And if if you're not, you you can, you know, you can get yourself in a in a bind, and that's what they did. Charlie McBride's with us a Monday with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We were talking about this before the 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 hour break and. Zach Taylor is keeping the tradition alive by bringing a game ball to a, uh, a different bar in Cincinnati. I think the, the blind pig is where Zach Taylor brought uh, Cincinnati fans a game ball. He dropped it off at the, uh, the, the, the bar last night. It kind of made its way around social media, and, and he thanked the fans for their support, and he's trying to get him to get on a bus to go to Buffalo. So there's a, a little less of, of uh, Bill's Mafia element uh, this weekend. <laughs> where, would, where would Coach Devaney have picked to go after a, a big win? Uh, he'd probably go down to the Legion. There's more people down there. Okay, so he would have gone to the Legion. <laughs> yeah, he would have been down to the Legion. A lot of people don't know that place is gone now. But it was, it was one of the largest legions in the country and had a great following, and everybody that walked in the place was a Husker fan. And uh, I'm sure that that would have been the first place that he'd have gone. Is this the old legion? 
Yeah, I'm asking a lot. I think we're I think we're talking to you from the old. You might you might not have been born. Yet. No, I, I was. I I, I I think you might be right though. Yeah, this might be the old American Legion where our studios are at, Coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, but it, it, you know, Bob hung out there a lot. I mean, he and his family, and mm-hmm. we used to go there all the time for breakfast on Sunday when we could, you know, and. Uh, you know, it was always a good hangout for everybody. I mean, it was, uh, and it was always, you know, you had to make reservations for dinner because it was, I heard one time they could, they could, if they really did it, they could put 3,000 people in the place. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and Bob had his little office downstairs where he, uh, you know, held court mm-hmm. and, uh, Usually with the chief of police and the head of the FBI, and <laughs> but, so everybody you know, everybody you know, came he, to see him. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> well, they they like to watch pro games, and so they all went down there, you know, and had their toddies, and they watched the pro football. Sounds like a good time. Where, where, where would Tom Osborne take the game ball? I don't remember getting a game ball. I don't. I don't remember. I don't know that we ever did, did it. I, I, I know that one time it was really funny. I came. Bill Callahan said we had talked to the defense before the Missouri game. I thought, oh brother, here we go. So I went in there, and I guess I let them have it. And <laughs> They, 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 Missouri only scored three points. Yeah, they won. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden in the mail, I'm getting the game ball, you know. <laughs> so, so I figured, you know, I don't know if I ought to put my name in the newspaper and try to sell this deal off. <laughs> Maybe the high school coaches or something, <laughs> you know, but uh, it. You know, th- those were the those were the days when, you know, you you, <laughs> you know, players. You could uh, some of them are a little more touchy now, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but they uh, they respond the same way. I mean, you know, you, you can bring some things that touch that gets to them, and I, I usually got to them on something off the field mm-hmm. a lot of times because um, uh, it, you know, a lot of guys don't think about it. And, uh, you know, I remember my mom telling me how nervous she was before a game. And I kept thinking to myself, and my dad was the same way. He didn't say as much, but mm-hmm. he, you know, and I, I, st- I started thinking, you know something? We all are nervous before a game, but, you know, you represent the people that love you. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the important things I think in football and 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 in athletics is that uh, you know and so a little bit once in a while I you know hit on something like that and sometimes some guys it'll it'll hit home. One mm-hmm. time I remember I I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to talk to him so I I said well let's you know take this game and um, uh, make somebody in your family and. You know, dedicate everything you do in this game to that person, whether it's your grandma, grandpa, you know, whoever, your sister, brother, you know, whatever it is. And after the game, call them and tell them Mm. that you did that. You know, so, you know, kids, a lot of kids told me, man, coach that, you know, and and it's 
it's surprising what what you can come up with what that mentally hits some kids and some it doesn't. I'm going to just believe you big blowhard. Charlie McBride with us. Coach, we'll watch some football this week and check in with you Monday. Thanks for the time today. Okay. Good talking to you. Have fun this weekend. You too, Coach. It'll, it'll, it'll be fun. Okay. Bye now. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency, and we welcome in Brandon Vogel, Hour 2, managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, and uh, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogue's yay or nay, as your screen views it, is that orange or red on Mark Cranach? Uh, it's looking pretty red to me. Yeah. I, don't know what I, you guys I need, I need my, <laughs> uh, my eyes checked, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Set him off in hour one. That was beautiful. Well, I, um, I think I think what makes it, it's it's the top of the Braves hat. You know the top of that Braves hat is red. So once you yeah. see that is red, then the the sweatshirt becomes red. If Mark were to take off the hat, I think you'd maybe see it more as orange. But with the hat, knowing what that hat's color scheme is, it, it proves the sweatshirt is is red. And this is I, this I, is I, terrible radio here. Nobody can see Mark's hat at home. But well, <laughs> I can't I can't believe we have to t- talk about this right now, but. I hate to break it to you guys, but there are different shades of red. Not all there reds are. are the same, mm. right? Yeah. So, for instance, Elijah, you wearing a plaid kind of like lumberjack sort of shirt jacket, red and black. It's a darker red, mm-hmm. right? Which is a little bit different than my true red, which is a little bit different than the graphics on this uh, live stream, mm-hmm. which is a little deeper red. And this all brings us into uh, different portal acquisitions, correct? That's where you went with it. That was right. This is where where we transition to to (laughs) portal additions. And uh, there's the Michigan State route two years ago that everyone was high-fiving in East Lansing. Wow, look at Mel Tucker. There was last year. (laughs) 
with uh, with Sparty and and Mel Tucker. You're invited to, to participate in the show, and a few of you have already this morning on the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel, ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter, and of course Hail Varsity Radio's Twitter handle. You're invited to. Uh, follow that as well at HVarsity Radio. Follow Elijah at Herbal Essence. Follow Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, as you see there on the screen, if you're watching, not listening, and at Schmidt underscore radio. Vogue's keeping with this portal edition theme. Uh, what player that has been added via the portal are you buying stock in for 2023? Ooh, good question. Um I, I might be, this might be a little bit uh, from, from the back of the pack, but I, I remain pretty intrigued by Jeff Sims, the, the quarterback, um, which, you know, he was, he was a huge recruiting win for Georgia Tech at the time that they got him, you know, at the start of the Jeff Collins era uh, was, was kind of, I think that might've been after his first on-field season in Atlanta and, and they land Sims. Big time recruit, big time get ends up kind of being their starter for three years, but Georgia Tech never turns it around. Jeff Collins, who you know is pretty pretty familiar with with Matt Rule, I guess would be the way to put that, um, gets fired, and this season doesn't doesn't go all that well for Sims. So, as a player, all that potential is is kind of still there, and he had he had his good moments. His his twenty twenty one at Georgia Tech was pretty similar to Casey Thompson's at Texas from a statistical perspective. I think relative to the strength of their teams. So, and you know, with with Casey recovering from from an off season surgery, we're going to get a lot. We're going to get a long look, I think, at Sims and, and the rest of those Nebraska quarterbacks. So he's one who offers some mystery to me, but an intriguing sort. Brandon, can you give me a, a, a comparison for who Jeff Sims is as a quarterback? I, I maybe come back to a, a poor man's Lamar Jackson just with how Marcus Satterfield describes his own offense. It sounds to me a lot like the Ravens, so then that my mind goes to Lamar Jackson. But you've seen a lot more quarterbacks, a lot more football teams in your day than I have. Do you have a, a, a comparison for what type of quarterback Jeff Sims could be at Nebraska? Yeah, no, I think that's that's a pretty, a pretty good one. Um, and, I mean, I think that, that – type of potential that that kind of projection for him is is what he was coming out of high school and it it's tough you know for whatever reason georgia tech was not able to to get much momentum uh, under jeff collins you know i thought that was an intriguing hire at the time it was made now he you know if you had it to do over again he, he went out and made a pretty big show about kind of putting a fence around atlanta keeping atlanta's best prospects at home to, to go to Georgia tech. And eh, that's tougher to do than you'd think because Georgia is, is, is the hot new restaurant in, in, in recruiting <laughs> circles, I guess would be the way to put it. So, you know, the, the Satterfield thing, listening to him at the, the, at his initial meeting with Nebraska meeting uh, media, talking about the QB run game, that's one that's going to require some off season exploration, probably going to require some spring football because you look at, Spencer Rattler at, at South Carolina, he didn't really have that a great quarterback run option. Um, so how Nebraska melds that, I think, gets interesting. But um, the, you know, Casey Thompson also isn't somebody that you would say gives you – is a run-first quarterback. You know, Nebraska had to pull out, I think, what they got from him in that, that aspect of the game this year. So that, that makes Sims pretty intriguing to me as well. 
Also intriguing, Brandon, the, the wide receiver room has has gotten pretty interesting. You you're adding five five guys that you know have quite a bit of uh quite a bit of experience in, or at least enough. You know, when you talk about Kemp coming in from Virginia, Fleeks coming in from Baylor, the return of Xavier Betts, uh, you're also getting uh Isaiah Car- Garcia Castaneda back. These are guys that have played football and produce at the Division One level, and then you add to that Malachi Coleman, who looks like he could be ready just physically to maybe compete too. How much do you think that changes the dynamic of what we can expect from Nebraska this year to be a threat this year versus the typical one or two wins in year one of Matt Rule at a, any given program? Yeah, I think it. I think it boosts it. Um, I mean the anytime you have a coaching change you're going to get this to a degree um a a kind of clean slate for for everybody but i think you really see it in the wide receiver room um because as you mentioned there's some guys there that have have played a a good amount of football garcia castaneda is a player i really liked coming in last year and and liked you know he kind of disappeared pretty quickly but liked what we saw of him in a nebraska uniform i haven't tallied it up specifically but i'm guessing kemp probably comes in with as many like career catches and yards as as anybody in Nebraska has. So he's he's really intriguing and fits kind of a different really represents you've got some some guys that have played football at a high level at times at nebraska at times elsewhere um getting all those pieces to fit together if you've got a a good group of pass catchers and and a returning quarterback um those, those are pretty important things in terms of going into a new season so i would agree with you you know we can look at temple rules first year at temple and his first year at baylor and be like wow they really like tore it down to the studs and I don't think you can like totally eliminate that, but that's that's not my expectation for for what Nebraska should be able to achieve in 2023. Brendan Vogel is with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. We'll get to some more of the stream comments from folks that are chiming in. Vogel, uh, let's focus on uh, Athens, Georgia, for a moment, and some of the uh, additions and potential additions from Nebraska. I know that's not far from from your zip code and uh, reaction here to, to what Nebraska is doing specifically with a, a team that's won back-to-back national championships. You see a certain level of dude that has gone to Georgia in the Kirby Smart era. And quite frankly, there's a certain level of dude that, that Georgia has always gotten. And uh, until the last couple of years, or maybe the Kirby Smart era, it feels like Georgia's been a underachieving uh, program despite their talent level and NFL success. So how do you see this paying off and working for Nebraska? It's one thing to get. Can you get development and then contributions from these kids you're targeting? Yeah. I mean, I think the development part of it's a key thing because with, with transfers, you're, you're hoping some of that developments, I mean, the ideal transfer is is 
a ready-made player, of course, you know, somebody who's just going to come in and be as exactly as good as, or maybe not exactly, but pretty close to as good as they were wherever they were previously, you plug and play and that's it. With these Georgia, uh, the two Georgia transfers that are in and an offensive lineman, Jacob Hood is also in Lincoln this weekend. He's somebody who's kind of, he hasn't played a ton yet. Um, but what you know with those guys, like, you know, the talent level is super high to even get into a Georgia uh, signing class. So, so that's a good start. Um, but the development piece of it still, still has to, has to happen for, for those guys. It's, they're not the kind of ready-made transfers, really similar to, to Stefan Wynn uh, coming from Alabama, who played a decent amount of football. Um, but you were still kind of waiting. You were hoping that, you know, Nebraska would be the spot, the situation where he could fully realize the potential that got him into a place like Alabama. That's kind of how I put these two Georgia additions right now. That said, they both come at positions that I thought Nebraska really needed to bolster. Uh, you look at an edge rusher and then a tight end. So really, really good on that front. Um, and now we'll, we'll see what happens. Because like you said, you can come in assuming they, they, they've got the talent they need. Um, now it's making sure the situation fits um, for them to find the field and produce. Brandon Vogel's with us here, the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, we talked yesterday on the show about that that Fran Brown connection down with Georgia. And I just want to hit on the, the type of guy that Georgia recruits. It feels like Matt Rule, what he wants at Nebraska, that, that kind of guy that has one or two of those those athletic traits that you, you just can't teach, whether it be speed, jumping ability, just, just something that makes this guy a, a freak of sorts. It feels like that's the same recruiting profile of what Georgia likes to hit. Just a guy that's got some sort of athletic profile that sets him apart from the rest of the country, then you can go turn that guy into a, a, a big-time football player. And Is that part of the reason why you think we're seeing this Georgia connection, this cycle, the fact that what Georgia looks for in their recruits is similar to what Matt Rule looks for in his recruits. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's a key point having kind of a, a calling card or two, whether it's speed, whether it's, you know, um, strength, whatever, whatever it might be certainly helps. This certainly seems to be a key trait for, for this new Nebraska staff. And I think you've seen that at Georgia some too. Um, finding a guy that's like, hey, you know, every, every recruit or every team kind of recruits at its, its own level and its own space there. If you're going to go outside of that, why? Um, and you see that with some of these guys, you know, Jacob Hood, the, the offensive lineman who's on campus, he was only a three-star. And when I, you know, saw that initially, I was kind of like, I didn't know Georgia accepted three stars. But, <laughs> but they have. Um, and, and, and Jacob Hood, you know, Stands out. I think he's six eight. Uh, I forget how much he weighs, but three five forty two. Yeah, you're you're up there. Um, yeah. So um, I, I think you're right, Elijah. I think there are some common kind of recruiting strategies there between those two programs. Brandon, what do we know so far about Nebraska's new strength and conditioning program? There's different styles. All of them can work. It appears that under Duvall, it was very much a lift heavy right? Power-based kind of program. And the reason I'm asking that, I'm thinking of guys like Nash Hupmacher, who I think has achieved a level of a level of strength to where it's almost diminishing returns. You know, you're just like, all right, dude, you could squat 9,000 pounds. Like, you, you know, it's kind of like getting an 8K television. Like you just, you don't, you can't, you're not getting anything <laughs> new out of that thing, right? Like it's just, 
4K is plenty. Um, it, do you think he's a guy potentially, and Nebraska maybe their their profile as a whole, it seems like they're going to maybe slim down a bit, right? And And sort of value agility and athleticism over maybe that sheer brute power that it appears that Duvall's program was based on. Do you see it that same way? Yeah, I think so. I think it's heading that way. I think an emphasis on, um, and I mean, obviously this is different for some positions, but an emphasis on speed or just athleticism, um, I would expect to take a little bit bigger focus, you know, at, at UCF, Nebraska's Nebraska's now former staff, I guess, um, really like hammered home that the, the speed angle, and, and so did this staff or large parts of this staff at Baylor. That didn't really, you know, I mean, we saw it sometimes, but it wasn't it wasn't the focus that I saw from from those coaches at UCF once they got to Nebraska, and that's fine, you know, maybe that was their assessment. They were like, okay, this is a different league, we got to get bigger. Um, so when I look at what's happening in Nebraska now, it's a little bit interesting to see them trending maybe towards something that I expected to come in in, in 2018. You know, it's just <clears throat> we can talk about the Big Ten and its kind of conference-wide footprint as, as a black-and-blue conference, a defensive conference, but it's just tough to, it's just tough to compete with speed. If you, can, if you can get it consistently and develop it, <laughs> um, it, it – even in a conference like the Big Ten, it can be an advantage for you. And I think that's where I kind of expect to see Nebraska head from a strength and conditioning perspective. Brandon Vogel's with us, managing editor, Hale Varsity Radio, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, as we, we look at the, the portal options and, and Nebraska's recruiting prowess under, under rule and an exciting spring to come, you know, let's let's zoom out a minute here on the rest of the Big Ten. Harbaugh is back. That's been announced this week. There's some ongoing issues uh, with their staff. Ohio State uh, looked incredible but couldn't close the deal. Um, as you look at Nebraska with these additions, you know, how close, in your opinion, is Nebraska to, to being – able to compete with the Michigans and Ohio States while still being able to survive and, and air quote beat those teams that they've traditionally looked like in the West, because that's, that's Nebraska's task, right? Is to be playing in January uh, to be competing for the West. And then, Oh yeah. If you get a swing of the big dogs, don't embarrass, don't embarrass yourself on, on that national stage. The, the infusion looks good on paper right now, but, uh, are we talking Grand Canyon gap still, or is that gap narrowed in your opinion based on what rules done here in a short time? Yeah, I I would say it's maybe narrowed a, a little bit, you know, and that's a large amount of projection. Sure. Um, but I but I don't know that the gap. Well, it's tough. Um, I don't know that the gap ever quite. Uh, <laughs> good question because I can't. I can't sort it's it out. So hard. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. To I'm, look I'm thinking back to to some of those Ohio State games, and yeah, there was there was a Grand Canyon size gap. I don't think it's quite as big now. Um, let's start with the West. The West going into 2023, I look at as probably pretty wide open. Um, I think you got to, at least I do. You got to give Illinois what they earned this year. Um, that's going to be a, a mm-hmm. solid program. 
Um, again, I think you got to do the same with with Iowa, particularly with a, a new quarterback coming in, an experienced quarterback from Michigan. Uh, they're they're always going to play defense. They're always going to take the ball away at a rate that seems unsustainable, but has been sustainable for them for a decade. Um, so that's that's Iowa. Wisconsin gets interesting. Um, brought in a ton of quarterbacks. You know, that's a program. We we could do an entire show just on Wisconsin if we wanted to. In my mind, like big bold moves there. I mean, Luke Bickle is a good coach and he can coach, but really, this is kind of their. Steve Peterson moment for lack of a term where you're yes. breaking from basically the Barry Alvarez era, um, which as we've seen at Nebraska uh, can get, can get pretty interesting when you choose to do that. Um, Purdue going under, uh, going uh, undergoing a big change as well. So that'll be interesting. So, I mean, Nebraska is right there in the West, I think, because you know, while well, we saw this year, a flawed Nebraska team played really really tough, kind of had the upper hand against Illinois and Minnesota for stretches. Two teams that I thought were pretty good in, in that division, and then obviously finally beat Iowa this time around. Uh, you look at the East, East also gets gets pretty interesting. I think you got those top three teams that are still still got a pretty big lead on, on the rest of the conference as a whole, though the Michigan situation is certainly getting interesting. Um, how can Jim Harbaugh just do this every offseason and Michigan continue to not miss a beat? Ohio State fans, I think, are a little bit anxious about the Ryan Day era, um, which is interesting if you're not an Ohio State fan, but it's there. And then Penn State, Penn State's going to be the buzziest team in the Big Ten uh, for the next eight months. So those three still have a pretty sizable lead, but for another couple of seasons at least, Nebraska being in the West, uh, I think it's got as good a chance as anybody, really. Well, Brandon, to that point of, of Nebraska closing the gap on, on some of those top teams in the Big Ten, I think the hope in this football team lies in the fact that what you've seen in the past couple of years is a lot of places across the field, especially the, the skill positions, Nebraska has closed that gap and looks a lot more like some of those top-tier teams in the Big Ten, but where they, they still lag behind and where a lot of the, the trepidation with this team comes is that the most important place in the Big Ten, the lines of scrimmage, is where Nebraska still lags far behind the, those those top dogs in the Big Ten. And and the the question becomes, what can Matt Rule and his staff, who, who are proclaimed line of scrimmage guys, what can they do in only one year? But what's your take on, on that offensive line, that, that line of scrimmage play that Nebraska still lags so far behind? And is that a, a potential one to two year fix, or you think it's going to be a, a longer term project than that? Um, I mean, in today's college football, I'm not sure you have a whole lot longer than two years. So you got to get it figured out quick. But I think you're right. I think that's the point where things start to separate a little bit from from the top top line of the conference versus Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska needs a star on, on both lines, really. Um, it, it's been a while since you've had that player where you, you go into a year and you're just like, yep, yeah, that's a that's a potential first-team all-conference player. Don't worry about him. That's great. Um, haven't had that in a while. I don't think they. you look at the roster now as, as it is. Um, there's not that player that you would say, oh, he's, he's headed towards first-team all-Big Ten on, on either line. Getting a player or two like that, and, and maybe it comes from – from the transfer portal. We've seen that happen. Um, maybe it comes with just a change of scenery, new instruction for one of these returning guys, but you've got to start developing some of those players and you've probably got a, a two year timeline to, to do that. Not saying, you know, if it doesn't happen by then start over, but 
things get things start to get a little bit anxious for for any football coach out there anymore i think after year two if if the gains aren't coming quickly move over to husker hoops brandon and uh hoiberg's crew above 500 in middle january that's that's good (laughs) that doesn't happen (laughs) uh so you got that going for you you lose Jawan gary for the season and he's the oakley barkley rodman of your team right good call with oakley well he's he's a true four right a little more athletic a modern version of a four but um you know he, he that's a big loss for him or or for the for the team and so in the wake of that you saw uh if, if i'm getting his name correct seven foot one kid that comes in well done uh you know jamarcus lawrence getting a little more playing time the game seemed a little too fast for him earlier in the year denim dawson's playing time has increased and he actually showed a little offensive game um i do, do you see it as a pretty promising sign that nebraska's getting some contributions for the from the bench and it, it's not that they're coming in and giving a spark but they're also not coming in and being a, a real obvious detriment <laughs> to the team. Are, are you seeing them round into shape? And, and what does that portend for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think it's been encouraging seeing, well, against Ohio State, seeing the, the performance that the bench players in particular put in, because you kind of look at this and, you know, and Nebraska basketball to me at this point it, – it's it's a little bit of like okay which way is this thing going not just for this season but but long term and and one of the things i think even as recently as a week or two ago i was kind of feeling is like well you know you got to this point you're basically 500 ish i think it, it it was clear to me nebraska has shown some improvement um defensively the effort has kind of been there for for most of the season which i think helps offset a little bit of the Gary loss. I mean, it's big. He would come in and give you just bursts of, of like pure effort, but because the team I think is doing better with that as a whole, maybe you can, maybe you can withstand that. But the big thing with me was looking at this, you've got Greasel and Walker, your two best players. They're both going to be, be gone. So say Nebraska ends up somewhere close to 500 at the end of the year. In my view, you know, you're not making a coaching change after that. You showed some progress, but, okay, what do you have to build on for, for the following year? And it was tough to answer that question, I think, at the start, you know, at the start of January, at least for me. Now, as you start to see some things from, from some of these bench players, you're kind of like, okay, well, you, you, you would have some players coming back that might be able to, to help you going into 23-24. To so keeping that going and seeing that develop, I think, would be an encouraging sign for, for Nebraska. And, you know, they'll, they'll have their shots in, in some of these Big Ten games. So let's let's see how they play it out. Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor at Hale Varsity, weekend edition at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. I will complete his sentence as Chris is kind of <laughs> frozen on us here. Uh, and, you know, he'll, he'll come back eventually. Uh, Brandon, seriously, appreciate your time today, as always. And uh, we'll talk to you again next weekend, man. You have a good week. You too, guys. Thanks. All right. How about that handoff? Oh, there's Schmidt. He's back. I finished your sentence. Don't worry. You said Brandon L., and then we lost you. And then I said Vogel on Twitter. That's long you guys have been working together. Is you can just finish each other's sentences at this point. Yeah. Did, did, did Vogel just go uh, go Maverick and eject here? We lost No, him. no. no. We, we Mark, let him Mark, go. Mark, Mark, Mark let him go, yeah. Because it's 832. Okay. We got to get to Sharp.
That's fine. That's fine. I just yeah. okay. Well, I was going to ask him what what's happening in the magazine, the new oh, issues I'll in answer, the mailbox. I'll answer. Your, I'll answer that question. A lot of good okay. content. Thank you. A lot you. of good Thank content. You. I'm going to go see if my dogs are terrorizing Junior's room. We'll take a quick time out and uh, be back with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp joins us. Weekend edition continues with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. The radio continues on. Chris Schmid, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We're efforting the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Not sure if he's on the road this weekend or not with uh, UNO basketball. I haven't checked their schedule yet. Yeah, me either. We're yeah. having uh, – it's, it's phone issues on our end, so I'm getting it figured out. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Well, and you call him the Iron Horse, a baseball reference, of course, mm-hmm. right? Lou Gary. Um, and then Gary, having grown up in baseball circles, he's mm-hmm. as expert as they come when it sure. comes to the sport of baseball. Um, and one thing I want to touch base with him about is you – know, I'm sure you saw all the Major League Baseball rules changes that are that are coming out. Did you see that? Uh, I have been focused on portal, so enlighten me. No worries. Okay, so um, it's there. There are significant changes. Okay, so there's going to be a pitch clock. Nice. I believe it's 20 seconds, which they've Little been umps, right? Yeah, which, which they've been experimenting with in uh, in minor league baseball. There is going to be a limit of two throws over to first, two pickoffs. <laughs> right, it's a limit of two. Um, then there, there's some really significant stuff defensively. So, you know, the shift with, you know, with uh, money ball and yeah. all the analytics having led to these ridiculous defensive formations that are spot on. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how effective those things are. Um, but it's almost like baseball becomes a little unrecognizable. And because of those shifts, what has happened is the single, right? Or the gap double has Ooh. almost been eliminated, sure. right? And so because of that, all the major league teams have started to value more than ever the long ball, which everybody loves home runs, of course. But you have taken away an entire breed of baseball player almost, the Ichiros, right? You've taken away like – so really, all you all, all, to, 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 to win in today's baseball, knowing that the basic routine single is – almost out of the picture, you, you have to value a different style of, of hitter. And what that's done overall, last year, you know what the batting average, you know what the average was for hitters? 
It was 243. 243. And if you look at like the AL and NL leaders, I don't have it completely memorized, but it was something like in the AL, there were only three guys above 300. <laughs> you That's know, it, either A or AL or NL. So the game is just completely changed, let alone speed on the base pads. Another thing that they're doing is they're widening the base. So, and I, I don't have my exact uh, dimensions down, but it's something like it's going from like 16 inches to 24 or 18 inches to 24. And so that allows a little bit more room for the first baseman to operate. It eliminates some of those near collisions that happen with a, these increasingly large human beings running down the base pads because of what you now value. Um, and it also gives you an extra, I don't know, six ish to 12 ish inches between bases. Right. So it's even though it's 90 feet, you're, you're, you know, it's a little bit closer. You shorten the distance a bit. So that should increase base. Run. So but back to the shift, the shift is gone now. You now have to have two defenders on either side of second base. You can no longer pull the shortstop beer league softball style as a rover to take away that single and to scout people out analytics wise. So it's going to open up the game quite a bit more. If, if you combine the pitch clock with the fact that you can no longer do the shift conceivably what that does is you're going to get more hits. The game's going to move faster. Base running is sort of back. It's kind of returning to the baseball that you and I grew up with, right? Eighties, nineties. Cause it really has, man. It's become somewhat, it's still great sport, love it, but analytics have it's it's almost like it's gotten over analyzed and kind of ruined some pretty key elements of of baseball to where it's like unless you're six three two twenty and are good for thirty home runs a year, you kind of don't have a place in major league baseball anymore. So that would be super intriguing to see what that does to the overall sport. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's effective this year. Yeah, just from a from a ball standpoint, I mean, Cranach, you're entering into the travel ball era as as a parent. Elijah yep. sees it every weekend as a as an umpire. Yep. And we're done with travel ball from a you know select team standpoint. We're now into a sophomore year. I mean, just junior as we speak is cranking away in the cage. I mean, he's yep. he's in the batting cage. With some of his buddies and and getting some instruction to to make sure he uh, quits resembling Ricky Vaughn on the mound, Uh, (laughs) and uh, and there we go, Elijah. Let's uh, let's send Sharpie a link. See if we can. Can Gary hear us right now? Is Gary on the line? Gary, we got you, bud. No, no. Okay. See if we can't just iPhone this thing up because the uh, speaking of old versus new, the, the the phone lines are being a bastard this morning. So. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can't send him a link to his phone and just, uh, even if we just get a picture of Sharpie versus the, the video feed, uh, different ways to catch hail varsity podcast, obviously Spotify, iTunes, Google play live on ESPN Lincoln and, uh, different ways on Twitter or Facebook, even YouTube, the YouTube channel, hail varsity's YouTube channel, Facebook and Twitter with ESPN Lincoln. And then we invite you to uh, be sure to follow Hale Varsity Radio and the Twitter handle at H Varsity Radio. So some MLB thoughts as the hot stove league is cranking up, pitchers and catchers reporting here uh, less than uh, a few weeks from now. 
We've spent most of our time this morning on the portal, specifically with uh, Nebraska, the Fran Brown connection. Mark, let's go there, bud, and just uh, highlight what is a reality. And I thought Coach Osborne did this masterfully where he hired guys and T.O. didn't have a lot of turnover on his staff over 25 years. You had George Darlington, you had Milt, you had Charlie, Coach Ron Brown, and you had a, you had a rock star staff in yep. Little Hotel California. No one ever left, right? right. And uh, while that's not the norm at Clemson or Alabama anymore with key assistants moving on after a few years getting a head opportunity, that that is eventually what causes a program to have to adjust. You, you lose somebody that's been a, a key cog and a key assistant because they get their, their own opportunity. Matt Rule's done a wonderful job of, of, of putting guys into action in their coaching yeah. careers. They're very loyal to him for that. They're thankful because of his mentorship and you're seeing it pay off in some, some preferential treatment. Uh, Fran Brown's a guy that's self-made, played his butt off at Western Carolina, got to the NFL out of there, and and then connected with Matt Rule just because of, of, of free seats at, at, at Temple football games. I mean, it's a really cool yeah. story. I was listening to a Baylor podcast a couple of days ago uh, with Fran Brown, and um, it's, uh, it's really impressive. Here we have him. Look at this. Uh, the oh, Iron there he is making his way. I thought it was going to be on video. Holy Whoa. cow! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sharpie. Good morning, bud. Hey, good morning. Short and Holy s- moly! Short right. and sweet. It's all right. I'm holding up a gas. You can station. turn off your camera, Gary. You can turn it off. And there's no. Why punish the people? You're looking dapper today. You're looking <laughs> yeah. dapper. So I wouldn't. I, just go, I could just go back and hop in bed. We could do this in bed. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> up in Yankton or Vermilion? Where, where are you at? Uh, Sioux Falls. Well, see, I think that sounds like a, a great segment in bed with Gary Sharp. That's uh, that's. Uh... <laughs> hey, when I was 21, that was a great segment. <laughs> 25 plus years later, not so much. <laughs> Drop the camera, fellas. <laughs> yeah. We're hitting we're hitting on Fran Brown here a little bit, and just his yeah. connection. And you've got ties. You've had ties for years yeah. to the SEC, and just. Uh, what your reaction here is to Nebraska's potential here with, with some of these Georgia acquisitions. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, Nebraska's in the talent acquisition business and figure it out later. I mean, they could be at a hundred scholarships before the weekend is over hundred scholarships accounted for. Um, and they don't have to be down to 85 until the start of fall camp. So they're, you know, the, the one thing we're finding out is that these guys have a lot of connections throughout different levels of football and different locations where, you know, people talk in that business so much. Hey, we got a guy who's not happy here, or he just he's in a log jam at a position. Would you guys be interested? And I think one thing about Nebraska is you can tell that when they are given a bit of information on a player, they immediately go into overdrive to vet that player to see if he's somebody that Nebraska would pursue. And, you know, I give them credit. You look at right now their portal pickups, if you include the two that were at Nebraska, went into the portal and came back. Nebraska's 12 for 12 with power five guys. Now, I don't think every portal guy is created equal just because they come from Alabama or Georgia doesn't mean they're, you know, an incredible player and they're going to turn your program around. But I will say that there's, I think there's a couple of things that come from the Georgia program that are ingrained in their culture. Like an MJ Sherman could be beneficial to his position group, but also inside of, of the locker room. But 
I think it's a, it's promising for Nebraska. I mean, I think it's pretty clear also that Matt Rule has identified three young assistants on the offensive side of the ball. And in one case, your tight end coach is not really young, but at the Division One level he is, is I'm going to help you with as much talent at those positions so you have options. So I'm not just mm-hmm. going to leave you out there in your first year coaching at Nebraska or in Donovan Riola's case, his second year as a Division One coach. You mentioned Bob Bob Wager, the tight ends coach, who is a prominent high school football coach in the state of Texas. And so he's making his kind of collegiate coaching debut under coach rule for Nebraska at tight end and bringing in a couple of guys that were on his high school team that had never played the sport of football before their senior year. One of them being a six foot two guy that apparently has 40 plus inch hops and somebody else. So, so two receiving threats that we're not recruited because recruiting typically starts if you're big time sophomore year, even freshman uh, offers go out when you're a junior, that sort of thing. But these guys were on literally nobody's radar because they didn't even play the sport. Yeah. But here's Wager who has seen them up close. And both of those guys are being brought in presumably as scholarship offer type guys. Uh, you know, what, what, what does it say? I guess for Matt rule and I guess your creativity in building a roster versus the Alabama Clemson style of just like, Hey, you can essentially draft the best dudes yeah. that everybody knows about. Well, I think that's a good point, Mark. And I'll use Colorado as an example. There is no doubt that Deion Sanders is a, is a magnet. Players want to go play for him. If I was a defensive back, I'd want to go play for a guy that was one of the best ever to play that position is how do you acquire talent? And then, Are you just acquiring talent and personalities or are you acquiring talent to build a roster? And I do think there is some means to how Nebraska has gone about this. Matt Rule definitely trusts his talent evaluators on his staff. Like if if somebody comes to you and says, hey, this guy hasn't played much high school football, but I think with what we do, he's going to be good. And Matt Rule says, let's go get him. I think that says a lot to the to the, the kind of the program they're building, but also that the kind of assistance that he has brought. So I think Nebraska. Like compared to a Colorado, because Colorado is accumulating a lot of talent and they're going to continue to do that. But I think there's a difference between accumulating talent and, and then turning that into building a roster. And I, and I can see the infancy of how Nebraska is trying to do that with some of the players that they are going after, whether they be a high level player or a player that's been under under the radar that they're going to put on the radar. Gary Sharp is with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, the big addition this week. Eric Gilbert. I mean, just the, the the talent jumps off the the page, jumps off the video screen. Whenever you check out his highlights, clean route runner. Just seems like one of those athletes that Nebraska hasn't had in here in a while. I want to get your reaction. It's been a, a rocky college start for Eric Gilbert from LSU to Florida and to Georgia. Hasn't quite seen the field as much as a lot of people have expected. What, what's your take on what he brings and, and what it's going to take for Nebraska to get him on the field? You know what, Elijah, you're a little bit young for this, but Mark and, and Chris can remember. One of the first guys I thought of, and 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 this guy is in a whole different stratosphere, uh, Johnny Mitchell. Like just an mm-hmm. athleticism at that position, I immediately thought, man, he kind of runs routes, as Elijah was alluding to, like Johnny Mitchell. And we know that Johnny Mitchell kind of was ahead of his time in the early 90s yeah. at that position before that position took off. I think there's one, there's a couple of things with Eric Gilbert. I'm if you get the Eric Gilbert that we saw at LSU then you could be talking a Kyle Pitts type guy. Mm-hmm. But the thing about, and, and the thing I think will benefit him, and, 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 and Eric has to be in a good spot, and then it, we can talk about Eric, the football player. 
But I think getting away from Atlanta and the South where everybody knows you, everybody knew your name coming out of high school to a place where you get a fresh start that they've been able to go, okay, why didn't it work out at Georgia? Why didn't it work out at LSU? Okay, we can give you the support that you need and the space that you need. Oh, by the way, you're coming into a position of need. And if we can get that out of you, then we can get you back to headed where you want to be. And that's going to the NFL. Mm -hmm. So if Nebraska can get him in a good spot, and he's comfortable and he's worked through, you know, anything that that uh, plagues him off the field uh, and he's in a good spot there. Then on the field, guys, I, I think I think this is could be a major pickup. And I could if he blows up like he has the potential to. Um, I mean, I, I'm thinking Kyle Pitts. I, I know that's a big thing to say, but there's a lot of potential there. But you but he's got to be on the field first before you can ever unlock that. Sharpie, uh, to to speak to the the off the field versus the on the field, um, Nebraska. We, we talk about recruiting ties and we talk about relationship development with Rule and his staff. But one thing that's always been a constant for Nebraska has been life skills, Keith Zimmer, and the support staff, and and that's been unwavering for decades at Nebraska. We t- we talk about all these things that Nebraska has, but this is going to be very key for, for Gilbert moving forward, the, the support staff that she alluded to, and just speak for a moment to, to what Nebraska has with that, in your opinion, that, that can really benefit a guy uh, like Gilbert. Just, just, And I know other programs yeah. try and offer, but Nebraska's perfected it. Well, I, I think one thing, and this isn't just a Nebraska thing, this is kind of encouraging across all of sports, is they make athletes comfortable that it's okay to say I'm not in a good spot, mm-hmm. and we've seen that we've we've had, we've seen that guys over the last five six years even even before COVID of of student athletes really really struggling with the mental part and and the balance that goes into playing a year round sport that it never leaves you and and I think Nebraska has been kind of ahead of the the curve and and the movement to really support the mental health of student athletes. And the people that they have working and the program that they have. And also, I think just a, a level of somebody saying, you know what, I'm not right. I, I, I got to get myself right. And so I think when you when you present that to somebody that has battled those kind of issues in Eric Gilbert, I think that gives him a comfort level. Um, you know, Omar Manning never never even came close to what we thought he would do at Nebraska. But you know what? In a way, probably Nebraska helped him out a lot. And, and we know Omar off the field. He battled some stuff to get Omar right before we ever talked about Omar, the football player. And, you know, unfortunately, we never saw that on the football field. But I think Omar, the person, is better at being at a place like Nebraska and dealing with those kind of issues. And so that's why it gives me some encouragement that Nebraska has a plan for Eric Gilbert. And they also have some space for him, you know, and a a huge support staff to help him through to get to where he wants to go, to get a college degree, to play college football and and, and to be somebody who he, you know, he can be on a day to day basis. It's Gary Sharp with this weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Sharpie, we're up against it. Thanks for working with us this morning, bud, and popping on camera. <laughs> I, I want to see the, I, the full I, art gallery of Sharpie uh, next weekend. I appreciate it, but Schmitty, you and I have got to grow some facial hair to compete against Elijah and Mark. Yeah, <laughs> hey, has I, like a great beard and like the goatee. Elijah has like a world-class mustache. You and yeah. I just have like stubble from the night before. 
Yeah. yeah. Work and, on and it. I, I got the San, I got the Santa silver going. So we, we <laughs> shave that uh, yeah. quite often. Sharp, you have a good weekend. Have a good call. Hey, this I appreciate weekend, it right? guys. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, man. There he is. Gary Sharp with us. You did have that mustache going for a little bit, but I don't think this show's big enough for both of us to have mustaches. You know what I'm saying? Like I look like uh, I should be driving a windowless van. You know, the the, the windows are blacked out when I try and grow a stash. I'll I'll leave the facial hair uh, expertise to you, Elijah, with the power umpire mustache and Kranak. You keep rocking the... uh, the beard it, it works well thanks for tuning in thanks for uh, spending time this uh, mor- this morning with hail varsity uh, podcast will be up spotify itunes google play full show and different segments as well posted for you and uh, we'll talk some nfl and of course more husker news on monday at four with hail varsity cranak be good enjoy some volleyball he was well all right Elijah, you take care buddy thank you much and, uh, we'll, we'll be back at you monday on espn lincoln with hail varsity thanks a Huda Media Production.